This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. So God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark out of cypress wood. Make it with rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of every living creature, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. I'd be amazed if at least half of you haven't heard this before, but there's a little thing that makes its way around on email or it's posted on Facebook from time to time called, All All I Will Ever Need to Know I Learned from Noah. And there are 10 things that we all allegedly need to know to get through life that goes like this. Number one, don't miss the boat. It's obvious. (laughs) Number two, remember that we're all in the same boat. Number three, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. (coughs) Number four, stay fit. When you're 600 years old, someone might ask you to do something really big because we're all going to live to 600. And um, number five, don't listen to critics. Just get on with the job that needs to be done. Number six, build your future on high ground. Number seven, speed isn't everything. The snails are on board with the cheaters. Number eight, when you're stressed, float for a while. I like the fact that that's saying that Noah was just a little bit stressed. <laughs> Number nine, remember the ark was built by amateurs, the Titanic was, Titanic was built by professionals. <laughs> and number ten, no matter what the storm, when you're with God, there's always a rainbow waiting. So they are the ten things that apparently will get us through life. But whilst I know that you would love me to go through each one of those in turn and expand on them and tell you how they apply to our life, I decided I'd spare you, and I came up with just three things of my own that I think we can learn from the story of Noah. The first thing is that it's not a children's story. You see, Noah's Ark is one of those stories we probably learned as children, 
We probably heard it time and time again. And it's one of those stories, but that when I think about it, I picture a cartoon uh, scene with a tiny little boat on a tiny little mountain with a giraffe's head sticking out of it, a clear blue sky and a little rainbow in the corner for token effect. And it's one of those stories that you kind of think of like that because we learned it so much as children. And, you know, if we skip over the whole wrath of God obliterating the whole world kind of part of it, then that is kind of what it is. But the thing is that children enjoy hearing about the animals being herded onto the boat. They like hearing about the lovely rainbow. They like hearing about how God rescued Noah and his family and animals of every kind. It's a good story. Who wouldn't enjoy it? In fact, it's so good that it's been the basis of more than one film in recent years. First of all, there was Evan Almighty, which was kind of a comedy take on it. And then most recently, um, there's the new one called Noah, funnily enough, uh, which has got Russell Crowe in it. I've not seen it. I don't know if it's any good. I've heard mixed reviews. Some people think it's great. Some people think it's shocking. But on one cinema website... The uh, description of it said, A man is chosen by his world's creator to undertake a momentous mission to rescue the innocent before an apocalyptic flood cleanses the wicked from the world. Russell Crowe stars as Noah in the film inspired by the epic story of courage, sacrifice and hope. Directed by visionary filmmaker Darren Aronofsky, um, made by Paramount. And when it's described like that, a story of courage, of hope, and the other word I can't remember, but um, sacrifice, there we are. When it's described like that, it doesn't seem much like a children's story after all. It doesn't seem like a fairy tale kind of ending to be dismissed kind of thing, does it? And there's a very good reason for that. And that's because actually, it's a rather serious account of God's judgment on all of humanity. People had messed up in all sorts of ways and bad things were happening. God was like, you know what? This isn't how I planned things for to be. People had not just drifted from God, but they totally turned away from God. People were not just doing careless things, they were doing wicked things. And I wonder if part of the reason that we relegate this to being a children's story is because if we actually think about that side of things, it's a little bit too close to reality. Maybe it's a little bit too much like what's going on in this day and age for us to really take it seriously. Because if we did take it seriously, we'd have to take the state of the world that we're living in seriously too. And it's easy to ignore many parts of the Old Testament, isn't it? We take the pretty parts, we take the cartoon of a little boat on a hill with a giraffe sticking out of it. We take the dove, we take the olive branch... We take the animals walking in a neat line onto the ark two by two. And we remember those parts. And by doing that, we miss the point. If we don't look beyond the happy ending, then we never learn the reason for it all. In fact, I'm not even sure it's right saying it's a happy ending because it was only a happy ending if you were on the ark. But let's think about the reason it happened in the first place. It happened because people, as we always do, messed up. They turned away from God. Many of them won't have realised it. Many of them won't have cared. But either way, they let their human desires and greed and wickedness get in the way. 
They'd let, they pushed God out and God decided to make a new start through Noah because Noah was just and Noah was righteous. God had been patient with his people for years and there came a point in Noah's day where God decided that the people he'd made and loved and cared for had crossed a line because his patience had run out because of their sinfulness. Now, I imagine you're thinking, I'm totally wrong there. How can I say that God loses his patience? How can I say that God's patience run out? But actually, it must have done, because otherwise it'll let it carry on, right? And actually, there's a difference between having patience and just putting up with things that we know are wrong. You see, the, this Bible story tells us that there came a time when God decided that enough was enough and that he was to start again. Because God won't put up with our sin indefinitely. Yes, God is a God of new beginnings. Yes, God gives us fresh starts. But God also wants us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. God wants us to live the way that he intended. And when we think that it doesn't matter what we do because God's going to forgive us anyway, then we become a little bit too relaxed about the things that we do. We know that God will forgive us, so it doesn't really matter. But that's a really bad thing to do because God wants us to live his way. He has a plan for us, and it's much better to follow that plan. He wants more than anything for us to live in relationship with him. And the truth is that God does judge those who are sinful. And we don't like that. We don't like the idea of judgment. We don't like the idea of a vengeful God who puts things right. And in Noah's day, they didn't think much about their sin. They just got on and did whatever they wanted And today, today we glamorise it, it's all over the TV, it's all over magazines. But this story of Noah tells us without question that God takes our sins seriously. He holds us accountable for the things we do and he holds us responsible for our actions. You see, God saw how great the wickedness on earth had become and every inclination of the people was only to evil all of the time. Because God knew what he was doing when he told us not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He knew that if we knew, then we'd choose to rebel every time. But God chose... That's all a bit doom and gloom, I do apologise. But God chose to send a message to the world, a message that he wouldn't take it anymore. And he chose to do that through making a fresh start with this man, Noah. He chose to spare Noah and his family because he'd not given up on humanity just yet. And so he chose Noah... And that brings me to the second thing we learn about Noah. Noah was just and he was an obedient man. Noah was described as a just man, perfect in his generation, and as someone who walked with God. This was a radical way to live in a world full of evil and sin. He, he lived a life differently to the way people of the day were living. His life was so different, in fact, that there was only him and his family that he chose to save. So I wonder, do we follow God so closely, even when other people around us are doing different things? Noah conformed to God's standards and expectations, not the world. I wonder, do we do the same in every aspect of our lives? You see, Noah's called blameless. I'm sure it doesn't mean he's absolutely perfect. But what it does mean is that he had a relationship, a relationship with God, a day-in, day-out walk with God. I wonder, can we really, truly say the same? We're told that Noah did everything that God commanded him. He took years to build that ark. He built it many years before the first raindrop even began to fall. 
He built it before the waters rose and before there was any sign of a need for it. Noah did exactly as God told him to. And the ark was big, couldn't hide it in the yard or anything. As we said before, it was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high, which is bigger than your average football pitch. So what God asked Noah to do was a very public thing. He couldn't hide it away. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how ridiculous do you think he looked building an ark? I bet it was quite high up there. What must people have thought? Noah's obedience to God was foolishness in the eyes of the world. And so think about this. How ridiculous does your obedience to God make you look in the eyes of the world? Or does it go unnoticed? You see, it needs to be obvious, it needs to be out there, courageous, risky and challenging. We're not told in Genesis that people ridiculed Noah, but I suspect they might have done. But still, Noah didn't give up because because he had courage and he had perseverance. He had to be, because the ark was so specific, he was given exact dimensions and exact specifications of what to use. It didn't have power tools and there was no pre-cut wood available. You see, Noah did more than build an ark. He faithfully proclaimed the one true God to people who wouldn't listen. He was faithful witness to his generation. And this determination wasn't down to self-confidence, but it was down to an absolute certainty that he'd heard from God and an absolute clarity of what he'd been told to do. God still speaks to us today. Perhaps he doesn't ask us to build a specific physical ark, but... He does guide us in what we should be doing if we care to listen. His determination was also down to knowing that God was with him. God must have been with him. Noah walked with God, we're told. He was encouraged by his presence. And in the same way, when we're convinced that God is with us, we'll have the courage to tackle whatever it is that we come across, whatever it is we're called to do. And Noah also experienced God's strength at work within him. Quite simply, he wouldn't have managed the job without God's strength, would he? Because it was such a big job. Often we excuse ourselves from following where God has called us because it's not something we can do or we just don't think it's for us. But I'd like to hazard a guess that when Noah was told to build an ark, build an ark he'd not done it before and he thought it was quite daunting. But because he lived in relationship with God, he knew that God would help him through it. And had a point for doing it, of course, because it was quite a good thing that he had the ark when it started to flood. So Noah was a just and obedient man. Not an obedient based on the list of rules and regulations, but based on relationship with God. And that relationship saw him through everything that he had to face. And finally, Noah and his ark teach us about God's grace and how he's always, always with us. Here is the most significant part of this story. This is where we move from judgment to grace. Even though the world was totally wiped out, God still gave the world a second chance through Noah and his family. It was a sign of what was to come in Jesus. And in 1 Peter 3.21, Peter compares the ark to baptism. Life rising out of death. From shelter of the ark out of the death and devastation of the flood, a new world arose. There was only one ark, and there's only one gospel, and it's Jesus who rescues us from death. In Noah's day, knowing that there was an ark wasn't enough to save them. They had to be on the ark. 
Being on the ark was all that would help. For us, it's being in a relationship with God through Jesus that saves us. But now imagine that you're Noah. You made it onto the ark. You built this ridiculously massive boat. And actually, you're glad you did because it started to flood. You did everything you were told. And it rained and rained and rained. And then there was nothing. There was silence. You're stuck on this boat for days on end with a whole load of animals. And God doesn't tell you anything else. Noah was told very little about what would happen to him in the end when he began this adventure. He'd obeyed God's verbal instructions, but now God was silent. As Noah floated on the water all these months, there was no explanation, no encouragement, no voice of hope from God telling him just a little longer or anything like that. But God had previously given him his word by saying, I will establish my covenant with you. You will enter the ark, you and your sons with your wife and your sons' wives with you. But he didn't hear anything about getting out of the ark. He didn't hear anything about how this story was going to end. So he had 150 days of floating with no word from God. That's a long time. And so he had no choice but to wait. So he waited and he waited and then he waited a little bit more. And if I was Noah, I'd kind of like to have known what was going on. But Noah waited and waited. And I wonder, have we ever had a time like that, when God seems to be silent? Well, after waiting what seemed like forever, with a boat full of animals, not being able to really see where he was going because there was just a tiny little window at the top. He had no idea what was going on, and then something finally happened. Genesis tells us that God remembered Noah. And he sent a wind to move the ark, and the waters receded, and the ark came to rest on the uh, mountains of Ararat. Noah saw that the water had gone down, but he still waited. He waited until God told him it was time to come off the boat. He waited until um, he knew it was the right time. And then the first thing he did was make a sacrifice to God. Probably a way of saying, thanks for looking after me and by dedicating his life to him. We don't know what went on in the ark. We don't know how Noah coped with God's silence, but he must have trusted him. Philip Yancey teaches us that there are two kinds of faith. The childlike trust that God can do anything, which is kind of like the David and Goliath scenario. And there's the hang on to God no matter what kind of faith too, which is the kind of faith that I imagine Noah practiced and the kind of faith that I imagine we do from time to time. Childlike trust probably wouldn't have got Noah through those days on the ark, but in the end, I imagine he had a deeper, stronger faith in God. The kind of faith that knows that even when God is silent, he is there. Even when we can't hear his voice, even when we think he's abandoned us, knowing that he's always with us. So Noah's Ark is not a children's story, but it's one of obedience and courage and perseverance. It's one of grace and knowing that God is always with us, even when he appears to be silent. And the greatest danger we face as Christians is living a life no different to the world around us. God sees us doing the things of the day that are normal to how the world views things, but not what God wants. And he's calling us to build an ark. Someone once said we ask God to do great things, and then we think it's strange when he asks us to build an ark. But God is calling each one of us to build an ark. 
He's calling us to live a life in stark contrast to what's normal in the society that we live in. And that can mean different things for different people. It might mean rearranging your priorities. It might mean an entirely different change of lifestyle. But it can be pretty easy to take care of the big things we know are wrong in our lives because they're obvious. But it's way more difficult to build an ark when there's no sign of rain on the horizon. You see, God is calling us to be his radical followers, to build an ark, to sit up and take notice of his every instruction for our lives. Because Noah's ark is not just a children's story, but should be our story too. Our story where we live in such a way that people can see our obedience to God based on a relationship with him. And that relationship we have through Jesus. Noah was 500 years old when God asked him to start building the ark, which took another 100 years to build. It was a massive thing to do, quite literally. But you know, Noah was obedient. And for us, following God can mean that we follow crazy big dreams that seem to us humanly impossible. We're sometimes asked to do things for other people would think strange. And often when we begin, we can't imagine where it would end. But like Noah, we don't need to know where the journey ends. We just need to take the first steps. So we need to put the first nail in the first piece of wood. We need to step out in faith and trust God for the rest, just like Noah did. Amen.